Hey there, welcome to Truly Oz, which is devoted to exploring Australia, from insider scoops on our major cities to exploring the endless gems to be uncovered in regional, rural and outback Australia. We created these podcasts so that before you travel somewhere, you know a little bit about the place and have the lowdown on things to check out. I also love sharing my top tips on where to eat, drink, play and stay. For more travel inspiration, you can also check out our stories online at trulyoz.com and find us on Instagram at trulyoz. Today we're heading way down south to King Island, which is in the Bass Strait above the northwest of mainland Tasmania. The island is only 126 hectares in size with a population of 1,500 people. But when anyone asks me what some of my favourite places are in the world, King Island always makes the list. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the region, the Palawa people. Thousands of years ago, King Island was part of a land bridge that connected Tasmania to mainland Australia, which was submerged 12,000 years ago due to rising sea levels. In 1989, the skeleton of an Aboriginal Tasmanian was discovered in a cave and it is thought that it could have been 14,000 years old. Once the island was formed, however, some say it remained uninhabited until the arrival of Europeans. However, that assumption is murky, as the first recorded sightings of King Island by Europeans were in the late 1700s, and the English rushed to claim it as their own because they thought that the French wanted it to be their territory. And it is recorded that Captain Nicolas Bourdain, French, said that he wasn't interested in an island already inhabited by savages. So the jury is out on that one. Captain John Black named the island in 1801 after the new governor of New South Wales, Philip Gidley King, and a year later Lieutenant Charles Robbins was sent there to claim the island for the British. When he arrived, Bourdain was already moored offshore and he was in such a rush to claim it that he raised the Union Jack upside down, which made the French laugh. It wasn't until 1855 that the first settlers arrived, but you had to be brave and resilient as the conditions were tough and it is one of the most remote places in the world, even by Australian standards. One of the island's most photographed icons, Cape Wickham Lighthouse, began operating in 1861 and is still the tallest lighthouse in the Southern Hemisphere. But due to King Island being where it is, captains thinking that they were rounding the base of Tasmania would crash into the bottom of King Island and more than 2,000 people have perished in more than 60 shipwrecks. This has created great diving grounds for scuba divers and the remnants from the past such as shards of broken crockery still wash up on the shore. Most people know King Island for its cheese, beef and golf courses with some of the best views of any in the world. But the sense of community and the warmth of welcoming residents will also steal your heart. It's a working farming island and a nature lover's paradise, so most of the activities revolve around produce and the great outdoors. To put the many colourful historical pieces of King Island together before you tuck into the produce, visit King Island Museum, where most exhibits have been donated by local families. The building was formerly the lighthouse keeper's home and you can also check out the Curry Lighthouse right next door. The museum has so much information on the many shipwrecks, including Australia's worst ever maritime civil disaster, the Cataraki Wreck of 1845. It claimed the lives of 400 people, including many women and children, who were headed from England's Liverpool to Melbourne. Luca Gatti, president of the Historical Society and an historical author, loves to take people around the museum, and he's particularly fond of the Anzac relics, as King Island had the highest population of Anzacs anywhere in the Commonwealth. Now on to the food. Funnily enough, one of my favourite places on King Island is the restaurant with no food. It's also known as the Curry Boathouse due to it being on the harbour in the main town of Curry. Sounds strange, right? 
but when you discover what it is and how it came to be, it makes perfect sense. Local artist Caroline Kinnemonth conceived the idea around two decades ago. The boathouse was originally used to store the lightkeeper's boat and then as a school and then for storing ammunition during World War II. Sadly, it burnt down, and so Caroline decided to resurrect the derelict building as a restaurant that locals or tourists could frequent, armed with their own food and drink. She rallied residents for support and created a space like nothing you've ever seen. It's painted in eye-popping fluorescent yellow and decorated inside and out with Caroline's signature artworks, usually whimsical depictions of King Island and its landmarks. The eclectic pieces that adorn the space were lovingly sourced from op shops or made from local treasures. It's filled with lounges and dining tables, complete with wine glasses, water glasses, potted flowers and plants. There are rugs on the floors and cushions to lay back on as you take in the amazing harbour views. World-famous chef Tetsuya Wakada has even cooked up a storm there. Local beef, cheese, abalone and lobster was on the menu. He's not the first chef and certainly not the last to fall in love with what is now an iconic venue, symbolising the resilience, resourcefulness and creative nature of the locals. There are so many great produce-driven experiences on King Island, and here are some of my favourites. Firstly, who doesn't love garlic? Carmen Holloway is known as the Garlic Queen of King Island due to her annual crop of around 15,000 organic bulbs, and the fact that she spent decades of her life collecting, researching and trialling garlic. Her garlic has no herbicides, pesticides, fumigants, bleach or GMO, and food lovers from all over Australia order it direct. Carmen is a permaculturist and her husband James is a beef farmer and together they created Frog Shack Farm, which offers great tours around the property. For more than 20 years, they've continually re-established wildlife habitats that once existed on their property. The family has 600 acres for their cattle and 15 acres that they've set aside for a permacultural farm and an ongoing organic environmental experiment. There are chooks free-ranging in the abundant veggie patches, guinea pigs foraging through the undergrowth, as apparently they're great lawnmowers and bees producing honey by the gallon. There's a dazzling array of edible plants and trees, nectarines, lemons, limes, plums, cherries, apple, apricots, walnut and quince, and an impressive avocado plantation. There's also a special wetland habitat attracting rare frogs to the property, thus the business's name, Frog Shack Farm. The farm is also one of many survey sites in Tasmania that monitor the wildlife and natural habitat, and it has six of Tasmania's 11 frogs and more than 50 bird species, including the black cockatoo. So it's also a bird watcher's paradise. Now to kelp. Kelp is in more products than most people realise, and it's in high demand. It's a foaming agent in beer, a binding agent in things such as cat food, toothpaste, shampoo, salad dressings, cakes, and even dairy products, frozen foods, and pharmaceuticals. The cows on King Island also love to eat it as it gives them a dose of vitamins and minerals that keeps them healthy. Another reason why the beef here is so good. Kelp is actually really big business on King Island and it's one of the few places in the world where giant storm cast bull kelp washes up by the truckload. It only grows in extremely cold weather in places such as Tasmania, Chile, Norway and Iceland. And although it doesn't have a root system, it suctions onto the reef so it takes big muscles and a tough winching system to remove it. But the kelp collectors on King Island only take what is washed up on the shore, as it's illegal to remove it from the ocean, as that would destroy the ecosystem that it thrives on. And kelping is a great way for King Island families to make money, and those in the know keep a close eye on the weather reports. They're straight into their trucks when there's a haul ready and waiting, and a truckload of kelp can be worth as much as $1,500. Now to something most people love King Island for, it's cheese. 
you would have had to have been living under a rock to have not come across King Island Dairy. It's famous for its brie, camembert, cheddar and blue cheeses. The island's mineral-rich soils, cool climate, abundant rainfall and consistent salt spray create incredibly lush pastures that are perfect for the cows, meaning the local herds produce unusually rich milk. King Island Dairy collects milk from just a handful of nearby farms, meaning it's as fresh as it comes, straight from cow to dairy on a daily basis, from the paddock to the factory within a few hours. The dairy has been producing cheese and cream for more than 100 years, and when you add cheesemakers with a passion for culinary perfection to the story, the result is some of the best cheeses in Australia, if not in the world. The business produces around 2,000 tonnes of cheese a year, as well as employing 100 locals. Visitors to the cheese store can indulge in a tasting of all varieties straight out of the factory across the paddock. Choose your cheese for a platter, match it with a Tasmanian wine or a beer, and sit on the farm-style veranda and take in the wonderful surrounds. Speaking of beverages, if you enjoy spirits, in particular whiskey and gin, you must visit Heidi Waston's King Island Distillery. Heidi also makes an amazing grapefruit vodka and an awesome limoncello. I met Heidi a decade ago when I visited King Island and she's one of the many people who make the community what it is, championing the locals and all that they produce. Heidi grew up on the island on a dairy farm and her parents owned a restaurant that was frequented by locals and visitors alike. Her distillery is the first on King Island and the 10th distillery registered in Tasmania. It was a dream of hers to have her own distillery and the fact that there were so many apples being wasted on the island led Heidi to write to Bill Lark, the living legend of Tasmanian whiskey. She asked for his advice and Bill responded and said, come to Hobart and I'll tell you all about it. And thus the distillery was born in 2014 and Heidi has gone from strength to strength, winning Best Craft Distillery in Tasmania in the 2022 Australian Enterprise Awards. Heidi picks all of her own botanicals from the rugged coastline of King Island, and the spirits are made from rainwater that is bottled by another local called Duncan McPhee. He's the founder of King Island Cloud Juice, which does small batch bottling of King Island rainwater. As he said, it's some of the cleanest water in the world, and thanks to the strong westerly winds known as the Roaring Forties, it rains around 180 days a year in King Island. In his own words, the character of cloud juice changes with temperature, from sweetly refreshing when chilled to an elegant velvet when served at room temperature. The company produces 750ml wine bottle versions of water and proudly proclaims that it is made and designed to be on the finest dining tables in the world. They've calculated that there are 9,750 drops of pure rainwater in every bottle and 45 milligrams of minerals in a litre of cloud juice. This super low TDS, which means total dissolved solids, makes it a uniquely young water with a light taste. In comparison, for instance, Evian from France has 375 mils per litre. For beer lovers, in 2021, locals Corey and Sarah Brazendale opened their King Island brew house, and it remains a small-scale family-run place, just providing beer to King Island, with a keg or two maybe popping up on the west coast of mainland Tassie. They also have live music on the property and wood-fired pizzas. Tanya and Ernie Lawrenson own King Island Sea Salt. Tanya discovered their special salt while walking on the rocks near her home in the town of Grassy. The waves crash on the rocks and into hollows, and when the tide recedes and the water dries up, handfuls of salt are left behind. One day she took some home, left it for days to dry out, and she was left with a fine sea salt that had a wonderful taste. 
Tanya now produces it in a hothouse that is gravity-fed from the tank of seawater on the back of husband Ernie's truck. She began selling it at the local markets, the gas station where Ernie works, and in boutique stores in Tasmania. Then a federal member visited from Canberra and saw it at the gas station. He had a chat to Ernie, had a taste, and was blown away. He took some back to Parliament House where it was now handed out in gift bags for visiting dignitaries. You can't visit King Island without stopping by the Curry King Island Bakery, which produces 20 different types of pies, including its famous lobster pie. They also do bread, cakes, puddings, shortbread and so much more. And they serve daily lunches with great rolls on the menu, such as Turkish rolls filled with chicken schnitzel, avocado, coleslaw and lettuce. And they do amazing chicken, cheese and gravy rolls. You can get some of the best beef in Australia from King Island and you can immediately see why. Pure air and pure water, green pastures and meat that has no hormones, antibodies or GMOs. King Island Beef is an umbrella company that brings some of the best of the island's beef producers together and you can buy it at the local supermarket and King Island Butchery in Curry. If you aren't salivating by now, you should be. There are so many more great producers on King Island that it's hard to list them all here. But if you go there, you should make a good go of it. Rex flies from Melbourne to King Island and it's just under a one-hour flight. Thanks for listening to the Truly Oz podcast. If you like what you heard, hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for more travel inspiration, head over to trulyoz.com or catch us on Instagram. We look forward to bringing you more Truly Oz travel inspiration soon. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com.